I mean, with journalism in general, I've always loved the diversity. So no two days are the same. When I was in Oneonta, I had on my bulletin board a like a cartoon of how reporters start their day. And it was a guy who was blindfolded and there was a dartboard in front of him with all sorts of different topics. So basically <laughs> you throw the dart at the dartboard and you're covering something new the next day. I love that because it keeps you on your toes. You're always learning. Every day you're learning something new. From Burlington, Vermont, this is Behind the Byline, a podcast that shares the stories of the free press's journalists. I'm your host, Blaze Seifer, a rising senior at Middlebury College and a summer intern with the free press. Today, I sit down with Brent Hollenbeck, our food and entertainment reporter. Brent joined the free press in 1999 after spending over a decade at Papers in upstate New York. He's got a pretty sweet, pun intended, job, and I can't wait to chat with him today. Brent, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. How are you and how's your summer going? Doing great, Blaze. Thanks for having me on. Uh, summer has been great. The weather's been absolutely perfect this year. Music is kind of back in full swing. And so, um, yeah, it's been pretty cool. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to chat with you about your time as the food and entertainment reporter. But first, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from and kind of what were some of your hobbies growing up? Well, uh, I grew up in Kinderhook, New York. It's a small town in New York State, south of Albany, kind of on the Massachusetts border near the Hudson River Valley, if you can kind of picture hemming in all of that. And yeah, I guess as far as hobbies as a kid, I don't know, just kind of the usual stuff that kids do. I grew up in a small town, so, you know, Little League Baseball, and I grew up on a fairly good-sized property, so my sister and I we were pretty rural, so there were no real neighbors. We'd run around the property playing our own games, making stuff up and using our imaginations and, you know, throwing rocks at each other. All that good <laughs> stuff you do when you're all the growing up. siblings do. Yeah. Did you grow up liking to write at all, Brent? Or was this kind of a passion that you developed over the years? Yeah, it was always something like one of the things my sister and I made up every, I don't know, I don't think it was on a regular basis, but we'd write up something called the Hollenbeck News, where we would, you know, stuff that was going on in our lives, which was, you know, completely insignificant in the grand scheme of things. But we would write this little publication every now and then just kind of saying what we were up to. And I also remember, I think it was in fourth grade, writing a fiction story in a class. It was a class exercise. And my story really was kind of the one that everyone was talking about, I guess. So <laughs> That kind of, you know, it was like that sort of outside feedback about writing was really important, I think. And I've always just liked the sound of language. I remember one of my first memories, probably I was three or whatever, sitting in my mother's lap when she would read Dr. Seuss to me. And I would always be like, read it again, read it again. <laughs> and just, you know, that play of language just really intrigued me. I always, I love the sound of language and the ways you can kind of turn it on its head a little bit. Right. So, right. So Brent, where did you go to school and did you study writing English, something of that sort? Yeah. So I went to Plattsburgh state on the other side of Lake Champlain from here, studied English with a major in writing concentration in writing, I guess you would say. And there was no journalism program at the time. There is now there they've since created one, but it was pretty strong journalism, I guess, concentration there. I had a professor, Dr. Davis, Dr. Ron Davis, who really, kind of helped me realize, yes, this is 
I knew I was interested in journalism at that time, but he kind of helped me really realize it was something I could do. Mm -hmm. I remember just writing some stories in class, journalism stories, and kind of saying, well, you know, I'd like to, to myself, I'd like to do an internship at the local paper. I hope he asks me. And then one day he did. So it was extremely and stupidly passive way to go about it, but I kind of wanted, and I think I've always wanted this, the work to speak for itself. It's like, if he thinks I deserve it, he'll come to me. And he did. So that was, you know, many, many years ago now. And here I am still doing it. So did you take that internship? I did. Yeah. And that really got me started. The Press Republican at the time was owned by a company that I then went to work soon after for another one of their papers in upstate New York, which was my first job at a daily paper, like first permanent job Mm. rather than being an intern. So yeah, that totally got me started on the path that I'm still following. (laughs) (laughs) So living the dream. So you spent over a decade writing for papers in upstate New York. Yep. Then you made the transition to Burlington. What brought you here? Well, like I mentioned, I went to college in Plattsburgh and had an affinity for Lake Champlain. My wife, who I met at one of those papers in Oneonta, New York, she went to University of Vermont. So, you know, we were on opposite sides of the lake, but we're both drawn to it. So we knew Burlington was one of the places we wanted to come professionally, but also just for quality of life. So she got a job here first. I got one soon after and also still following that <laughs> path all these years later. Right. And so have you always been the food and entertainment reporter or what are some of the kind of the different hats you've worn with the free press? Yeah. So I started freelancing for the free press in 1998, became a staff writer in 1999, covering education which wasn't necessarily, you know, wouldn't have been a beat. I said, oh, I want to do that. But it was really good for me, I think, because if you can make interesting stories out of education, which is a very important topic that people are passionate about, but trying to translate what happens in education in a way that's readable is not always easy. So that was really good for me, I think, to become a more disciplined writer and a more purposeful writer of, okay, I really need to focus on how to make people want to read this. So that was a really important way to enter here, I think. And then I had always wanted to write about the arts, like at every publication I was at, even if I was just doing general assignment news reporting, I would always you know, want to sneak in coverage of a band coming to town or, hey, here's a local band that's kind of rising. I'd like to write about them or uh, something along those lines. So in 2004, we created a staff position for arts and entertainment. And I had already kind of insinuated my way, I guess, into kind of being in position for that and applied for it and got it. And I've been doing it ever since. Food's become a more recent part of my beat. So I kind of dabbled in it probably starting around 2010, especially the beer scene as it was really rising in Vermont. More recently in the last five or six years, that's become kind of the other, it's like a two-headed beast, arts and food. So kind of 50-50, maybe leaning a little more toward food at this point, but those are the two things that I focus on almost exclusively at this point. What's your favorite part about being the food and entertainment reporter? What's the favorite part about the job? I mean, with journalism in general, I've always loved the diversity. So no two days are the same. When I was in Oneonta, I had on my bulletin board a like a cartoon of how reporters start their day. And it was a guy who was blindfolded and there was a dartboard in front of him with all sorts of different topics. So basically <laughs> you throw the dart at the dartboard and you're covering something new the next day. I love that because 
it keeps you on your toes. You're always learning every day. You're learning something new. And especially when you've been doing it as long as I have, that's what keeps you going is, you know, you don't feel like you're been there, done that, you know, there's always something new and exciting. So that's what I really like about it, no matter what the beat is. Right. And so what are some of the challenges you might face though, or are the obstacles as a food and entertainment reporter? Obstacles in journalism in general. I mean, the hours are weird frequently. It's it's probably above average stressful job, I think, because you're assimilating information and making sure to present it as accurately and clearly as possible. So there is, there's certainly some pressure with it. I like that pressure, but it can get a little much sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think those are are probably the biggest challenges, but those are okay. And I think a lot of the challenge is just the pressure you put on yourself to do a better and better job. So, but that's healthy. Mm -hmm. Now, Brent, tell me about a memorable subject you've interviewed for a story. You know, as an arts and entertainment writer, I've been able to interview a lot of well-known people, which is always great, but it's also great to be able to talk to people who are local and just doing something because they have a real passion for it. I think that's what I'm more excited about is just especially with the arts, I've always loved, tell me what you do, why you do it. Like what, what drove you to do this? Because the arts is not a lucrative profession for almost anybody. So you do it because you love it. So yeah, that's not, that's not one person necessarily. It's just kind of the thing that I really get excited about, I guess, that when I'm covering the topic. So how would you kind of characterize the food and entertainment scene here? I'm sure it's tight knit, Yeah. I mean, and I think you would say Burlington punches above its weight as far as food and entertainment go. It's a small state, Vermont. Burlington is a small city, but the scenes are really lively for both. And they are very tight knit. And I've talked to a lot of people about this and seen it myself that within the music scene, you see bands who are maybe, you know, different genres, but two members from those bands wind up doing a project together. You see musicians at a lot of fellow Vermont musician shows. So there's that kind of support within the food scene um, and the the beer scene you see like with breweries, you'll see a brewery, you know, runs out of malt and this other one needs hops. And so they'll exchange them with each other. You know, they're not threatened by each other. And I think Vermont's not the idyllic state necessarily that a lot of people from outside see it as of, you know, just happy cows and, you know, eating Ben and Jerry's all day long. But um, (laughs) I think it is a a very cooperative state where people are not as competitive as they are realizing that the the rising, you know, whatever the cliche is about ships rising with the tide, right? So the more they support each other and create a scene that A, keeps people who live here now into the scene and B draws people to, to experience it, whether it's arts or food, that that's beneficial if everyone's supporting each other. Right. I mean, you've been on the beat for a while now. Has the scene kind of changed throughout the years? You mentioned that, you know, beer has kind of grown in popularity over, over recent years, but how has kind of the scene kind of transitioned since you've you know had this position? Yeah. So with arts, I think, especially music, which is kind of my main focus, uh, it was very fish based 
as in P-H-I-S-H, not F-I-S-H, which would be a food topic. You know, it was very much the jam band scene and fish uh, started in Burlington. So, of course, that was kind of the the base for the scene. They broke up temporarily in 2004, which was the first year I was covering music. And it kind of forced people to look for music elsewhere. And I felt like at that point, the scene really kind of became a lot more diverse. You'd get indie rock, you would get hip hop, you would get all sorts of different genres starting to come through. So I think the scene has become more and more diverse over the years, which is great even though fish and jam bands are still a big part of what Burlington has to offer. As far as food, yeah, the beer scene right around 2010 really started taking off when Hill Farmstead, Lawson's, and some of the others that now get worldwide acclaim really started getting going. And the food scene, even more recently, I would say the farm-to-table movement that you could attribute to Hen in the Wood, Hen of the Wood in particular in Waterbury starting, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago at this point, they kind of started that movement in Vermont in particular. And I think that's only been growing more and more in the last few years. And almost all new restaurants I write about at this point have some element of working very closely with local farms and building menus that are very specific to our seasons and what we have to offer here. So I like seeing that because everything can become very homogenous. Mm. You know, we don't have a lot of generic fast food places here. We, uh, we're more interested in restaurants that give you a literal taste of Vermont. And so I think that's really cool to watch. Brent, what's one lesson you've learned during your career as a journalist? Just keeping an open mind about everything as a journalist, but also as a human, you know, and covering arts and food, I think you see new things happening all the time. And you may at first be like, hmm, I don't really get this. But as a journalist, you kind of have to at least get it on this on a similar level to the level that the person who's creating it is getting it. So you sort of throw aside your own inclinations for whether it's music or styles of food and say, all right, let's look into this. And you may find I never would have experienced this if I hadn't been doing it as a journalist and now I like it. So keeping that open mind and always being excited about something new, I think, yeah, you have to hold on to that as a journalist because that's what makes the job interesting and that's what makes the stories you write interesting. It's a great piece of advice. And speaking of advice, Brent, my next question for you is going to be, what's one thing you would offer to an aspiring journalist who maybe wants to break into the industry? Trust your gut and your instincts and your interest and pursue them. Like I, I've told groups this who I've talked to before, like, I think I went back to my alma mater and talked to some journalism students a few years ago. And I said, you know, right now I'm doing exactly the job I wanted to do when I was your age, but it took me 17 years to get there of kind of like, you know, doing other stuff that I may not have been so excited about, but was a means to an end. So yeah, it's pursue your passions and one day you hopefully will get there, but also trust your gut. Thanks for that, Brent. I like that a lot. All righty. Now we're going to transition into the final section, rapid fire questions. These should be quick and fun. We're going to start Brent here with what's your favorite season in Vermont? I really like spring. It's a hot take. 
winters <laughs> winters are long in Vermont, in northern Vermont especially, and that first smell of mud in March, the first smell of fresh grass in April, and then in May, you just the the Waking Windows Festival happens in Winooski every May, like second, well every every May when there's no pandemic. But it happens like the second weekend in May, and it's kind of like the coming out party where everyone is like, wow, you know, we've been trapped inside for six months and <laughs> everything is amazing. There's music and and the grass is green and the air is fresh and it's beautiful. And that to me is magic. So next question. What is your superpower? I'm a mere mortal, but I am extremely good at guessing what time it is. What like, time is it right now? Uh, right now it's, uh, I'll say 402. It's 410. Oh, you see, okay. Not as good as I thought. Usually I'm within five minutes. So this is flying by. So that's why, but I can wake up in the middle of the night, kind of have no idea what time it is. Hazard a guess. And I'm usually within five minutes. So yeah, not bad. Next question. Do you have a favorite spot to relax in the Burlington area? Probably not a spot per se, but more of a, a situation. Put me in front of music, maybe with a beer in my hand and it could be indoors, outdoors, but that's, that's my kind of my happy spot. And finally, Brent, who is your favorite journalist in pop culture? I've often said my favorite character in fiction is Nick Carraway, who is the narrator of The Great Gatsby. And I feel like he's a journalist, even though he's not in the book, but he's like the, the outside guy who's observing the action and commenting on it. And he's like connected to it, but he's not really a full part of it. So I've always liked, because that's kind of what a journalist is, you know, in real life, I don't know if I have a favorite journalist per se, but somebody who I think inspired me, especially as a music writer was Lester Bangs, who was long ago. I think he was featured briefly in the movie, Almost Famous. That might be where people have heard the name. And I don't write like him at all. He was kind of a gonzo journalist, wrote with a very stream of conscious sort of agitated style. But I think when I was a teenager, I read his stuff and really saw that there were not a lot of limitations on how you could write about music and that you should write about it sometimes with the energy that the music has. So I think that was a really good lesson in not just the words that you have in your writing, but the feel that your writing has. And if your writing can kind of capture the essence of the thing you're writing about just by the way it feels and the way it sounds in your head, that that is pretty powerful. So I don't know that I do that very often, but it's something to aspire to, I think. Well, Brent, you've given me a book to read and a movie to watch. Very fitting for yeah. the food and entertainment Perfect. report. All right. Yes. Thank you so much for yeah. coming on, Brent, to Behind the Byline. It's been great to talk yeah, to you. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks a lot, please. This has been Behind the Byline, a podcast that shares the stories of the Burlington Free Press's journalists. I'm your host, Blaze Seifer. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. I'll catch you next time.